I'm Emily Feed, author of This Vicious Grace, coming in summer 2022 from Wednesday Books. And I'm Anna, a teacher and a writer in the Query Trenches. And you're listening to Basic Pitches, where we... Two basic pitches... Break down the basics of writing and being a writer. Uh, like up, uh, so up a bit, so. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I am sitting here with Tracy Padua, author of Freddy vs. the Family Curse that came out just earlier this month, right? Ooh, yes, it did. It came out um, May 3rd, so as of the day we're recording, yes, earlier this month. Oh my gosh. So that means people listening right now, if they haven't already purchased a copy, they need to go purchase a copy or request it at their local library or whatever works for them, right? Yes, they do. Multiple copies, like a whole box, please. Oh my gosh. And it <laughs> sounds it sounds like an adventure story that we need right now. Like it is fun and exciting. And can you tell us a little bit about Freddie? I'm just diving right in. Like normally we chit chat and banter a little bit, but I'm like, no, I'm ready to go because it reminds me of the like adventure novel, like the adventure movies of my childhood, right? So almost a little Indiana Jones, the mummy, but <laughs> yeah. for middle graders, right? We're solving mysteries, we're seeing ancient things. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of um, you know backing up all the all, all the way you know freddy versus the family curse is a contemporary middle grade uh fantasy so there are those elements like you said of a little bit of adventure and a little bit of magic a little bit of folklore um and it centers around freddy who's a 12 year old uh filipino american boy who um his family has been cursed with bad luck for generations and he finally finds this uh amulet that he thinks is like this is going to be the good luck charm this is going to turn everything around and because authors are terrible, of course that's not going <laughs> to be the case. He keeps, it makes everything worse, and it actually holds the ghost of his great-granduncle, and together they have to break the curse, or he's going to get stuck in this amulet forever with this annoying great-granduncle. So, like, imagine the worst road trip with somebody you don't like. It's like that forever. Oh, my gosh. That's a layer <laughs> that I didn't even expect. Oh, my gosh. How fun. How fun. I don't have any words like I <laughs> I don't know it takes it an even level deeper that it is you know this I, ancestor I, of his right but it's like this quirky annoying ancestor that sounds so fun well I definitely you know I feel like there's a lot of really like wonderful helpful ghosts and stories and I was like you know sometimes they just gotta be a little bit annoying maybe not malicious like just annoying like they um you know in the story this this and I would this is not a spoiler like it's in the the front cover copy and everything <laughs> so this is uh um his great-granduncle is actually you know like technically like a teenager kind of ghost so he's kind of snarky he hasn't had the benefit of I say benefit but he hasn't had the decades of like being told like oh you shouldn't word things that way and like that's kind of rude you shouldn't say it that way so he's very blunt um, and so trying to capture that in the book of like, how would a teenage ghost act if he, if literally his only hope was like a 12 year old boy. So it's, it was, it was, it was fun trying to imagine that what that would be like, and then write it into, write it into the book. Oh my gosh. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about crafting that humorous element? Because that is something that I am, like, we talked about it before we started recording. Like I am 
I love humorous stories, especially humorous middle grade stories. And I think it's because I can't, it's, it's not natural for me to write it. So it's something that's totally unknown. Like I have little comedic moments, but it's not a comedy. Like it's not funny. I, nobody would ever see my books and be like, describe them as funny. Right. So can you talk about crafting that? Yeah. So the, the humor part is, I, I mean, I feel like any author will tell you that it's, it's really tricky because what you think is funny as you're typing it, you're like, this is going to be great. Everyone's going to laugh so hard. And then you'll put it in front of a reader. They'll be like, this is all right, I guess. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I really tried. Back to the drawing board on that. But it's, it's something that does take practice. And I hate to say it, but it does take research. So you have to kind of pick up other funny books and hopefully like funny in the same age range. Cause obviously what's funny to like an adult may not land the same way for a kid. Like if you make a joke about taxes, the kid's going to be like, what is that? Right. I don't, I don't care about this. Um, so reading a lot in humorous middle grade was like, again, quite possibly the most fun research you can do, but it was very much part of my process of being like, how, how do you tell a joke like on the page for this age range. And that was really tricky. And I, um, you know, one of the books that I like to shout out all the time for this is um, Jessica Kim's Stand Up Yumi Chung, because uh -huh. it's about like a girl like learning how to do stand up. And there's just like funniness throughout. And it's just one of those books that I kind of go to time and time again of like, this is, this is how you kind of sensitively cover humorous things and keep the story rolling and keep it engaging. Yeah. So, I um I know it's the advice that everyone always gives of like, you know, read widely in your genre and age range, but like, it's true. I'm so sorry. It's true. No, I think you're right because this almost kind of like makes something click in my brain about the whole read widely in your like range or what you're trying to write. And mm -hmm. I think that doesn't mean just like read a whole bunch of things. It means read different genres or subgenres so that you can pick up, like we talk a lot on this podcast, probably well, there's no such thing as too much, but uh, we talk a lot about romance, especially because Emily and I are both like YA fantasy romance writers. And we both have learned like reading romance helps you pick up romantic beats. And I never really thought about like, okay, we got to sit down and read comedic things to learn how to write comedy. So that makes total sense. Yeah. And, and middle grade is tough because you, you know, the, I, I also write young adult and you have a lot more freedom with kind of the word count and taking your time with things yeah like the second the second like a 10 year old gets bored with your book like it's gone <laughs> you, mm -hmm, cannot, you cannot lose them for a second so it's like constantly like making sure that you're hitting hitting the points that you want to hit keeping it entertaining keeping them engaged it's like it's a it's a whole um, you know the, obviously Freddie versus the family curse is my first middle grade that's out. So like for folks who have been doing this for years, like I, I commend you. Yeah. I, as, as someone who taught middle grade for a very long time, um, I cannot tell you how hard it is sometimes, especially for those, <laughs> even, even the least reluctant readers, like it is hard for them. They have to be engrossed in it and they, they will flat out be like, they'll talk to you for days and days and days about what they're reading. And the moment, like you said, the moment it gets boring for them, I'll check back with them in a week and say, okay, how's that book going? Are you liking it? And they're like, I didn't finish it. It's sitting on my oh. desk for, I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like they are brutal about tough, crowd. Eh, nah. tough, tough crowd <laughs> for sure. For sure. So uh, 
that brings me to another thing. We've talked on middle grade. Um, we've had a couple of middle grade authors before, but I don't think we really talked tightly about the pacing and the how to keep them turning a page in a middle grade versus a YA. Um, let's can we talk about that? Because I have no idea what it takes to keep middle grade readers invested. Balancing. You know, I, I, I'm definitely a, a, a fake it till you make it because I don't know either. <laughs> but, you know, and this is this is where the importance of really good critique partners and editors and agents come yes. in um, because they will tell you when things are, are slow or they'll be like, why is this chapter here? Or, you know, worse, like, why is this entire character here? You can wrap this entire character into a whole other character and just make them that much more interesting and save yourself, you know, 50 pages out of the book. Yes. So having, um, having people who, you know, I get, again, I like to think that I read widely in middle grade, but having other folks who also read widely in, in other things and are able to bring that experience yeah. to what I'm writing, um, that's been really helpful. So for example, you know, I have some friends who are uh, fantasy and sci-fi writers and so they will let me know of like, okay, you really need to expand on the setting here. You really need to describe the characters and kind of give us more of a feel um, up front of what the characters are doing. Otherwise, it's just literally just like two kind of talking heads, just like in the ether, <laughs> just like right, batting dialogue right. back and forth. <laughs> but it's like, it's useful stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay, the reason that we're doing this is so the kids can kind of picture what's happening when they're reading. Because we are competing with you know, TV and Netflix and phones here, like, I need to be able to just draw, like, just draw them in, do what I can. Um, yes. So again, the the importance of having folks around who are able to um, expertly and kindly tell you what's wrong with your work is, is absolutely, absolutely key. Right, right. And I think that's like the beauty of critique partners is it's almost that hive mind kind of thing where like, mm -hmm. you don't have to read everything in middle grade you're not going to be able to read every book in middle grade but somebody will have a fascination with this part of it or like they'll know about world building in uh, middle grade they're really really good at that and you can kind of pull upon that and say hey does this work like I think that that's a beautiful beautiful thing to realize about that network right yes and I, I that's kind of the one of the things that w took a while for me to learn, but it was just like once I learned the lesson of like, hey, having critique partners is the best. It's like this is something I talk about constantly because I know 100% that my work is not perfect. Like mm -hmm. I know there are going to be like, I will edit something for months and think it's ready to go. And then someone will instantly find like, like a, again, like, um, you know, as an example, I'm I'm writing um, a young adult contemporary right now, and it takes place at a music festival. And one of my lovely critique partners had mentioned like, hey, um, so cool book. You don't actually describe what the music sounds like. Oh, <laughs> no. I was like, oh, oh, do I not? They're like, is it rock music? Is it hip hop? I was like, oh, it's all, it's, it's literally all accordions. Like I could just make it up. But like, I was like, okay. <laughs> the little things were like, I can think it's perfect. I can be like, okay, the emotional beats are there and like the plot just like you know everything is propelled forward and they'll just be like Tracy you you don't describe the music at this music festival oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh 
That's so funny. That's so, so, so find, funny. Find people who who are good at the things that you're not good at. <laughs> right. Is my second big like point of advice for people. It's just like you're know what your flaws are and then like seek those people out and be like, You're strong at this. Like tell me. Like show me Absolutely. your way. Absolutely. Oh, that's I am I am the first person to be able to admit like I am not good at this thing or this thing. These are my, my strengths. Hello, please help me. I will return the favor with these skills that I bring to the table. It's almost like a bartering thing where you say, I am good at this. Do you need this? Yes. Like, hello, friends. I can offer, you know, structure and grammar. Can you just tell me when you can't imagine? I can help Exactly. So having this network, I think that kind of dives into... Yeah, I think I want to go this route. I was trying to think of where I wanted to take this conversation, but I think we can go here first. Um, So having this network of critique partners, I imagine that helps with what you were describing. Is your life outside of writing? And I will, if I've said it once, I will say it a thousand times. Anybody who is a parent and has a full-time job and writes, or anybody who's a parent, period, in a story, uh, you're my heroes. I have no children. I am my own child. Um, how, 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 because you have, <laughs> Freddie just came out, you have another book coming out that's a totally different genre, which we'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. but how are you doing all this? I mean, you can talk a little bit about what your life is like outside of writing and then how the magic happens, because I'm floored. <laughs> well, so somebody, I, I was at a, a book festival this weekend and I actually did have a couple people approach me and be like, yeah, like how how do you do this? Like, what is your writing schedule look like? And I was like, I will preface this with do not do this. Like this is, this is <laughs> terrible. This is not sustainable. I, you know, I work a full-time job and I'm here on the West coast, but I actually work East coast hours, which means that I am, you know, up and on my computer and with my coffee by about six thirty in the morning. Oh my. <laughs> so, First of all, if you're not a morning person, don't do this. (laughs) And then, but that means that I am done by about three o'clock, barring any sort of other, you know, extra stuff that I need to do. Um, So, and then after that, I have come to realize like it it is kind of impossible to multitask with a toddler because they'll know when you're not paying attention to them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, I say toddler, but it's probably every kid. Like they know that the second you pick up your phone, they're like, now now is the time to destroy things. Now is the time to scream. So I have learned to like, all right, if I'm going to be, you know, hanging out with anyone, I will devote my attention to hanging out with them. Um, And then at nighttime, instead of relaxing and, you know, reading for fun sometimes, that's when I'll actually put in the time to, to write or do things like to, to do, you know, promo or anything, for example, I'll save it for like the 830 to 10 o'clock time frame yeah. and then you know rinse or repeat up at 6 30 the next day and up at six the next day so it's it's again this is how I work and I really don't like it's definitely not recommended for a lot of folks who have a lot of I we don't have a ton of social obligations out of the house because we do have a toddler and we're trying to be safe right now and you know not not do right. a ton of um, social activities with her until until it's kind of safer um, health-wise right. for her so that means I get to sit at home. We get to sit at home like alone all the time. So I, right. do have, I do have this time like for better or for worse to to concentrate on stuff. 
there is no like, hey, meet us out at a restaurant or like a bar after. It's like, no, right. I'm going to hang out with my computer from eight to 10 tonight. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I think it is all about that, that schedule, right? I, I definitely could not do, again, being a teacher got used to the morning. I was a morning Mm -hmm. person. And now I think I'm, I'm still a morning person, but I don't think I could do that extreme. You're right. Mm -hmm. Like it's not for everyone, but I do think what is for everyone is finding those pockets and kind of committing to those pockets of time. Like that is something I have definitely learned is the, give this thing my full attention, give this person my full attention. And then make room for that. I think that's very, very smart. Well, and that, and that makes sense. Cause like, for example, like I put in the time on the weeknights because I know on the weekend, I kind of want to have that flexibility, but there are some folks who like literally prefer of like, I need four hours, five hours straight to just focus and work. And so they save their weekends and then, you know, kind of like do their, do their fun stuff on the weeknights. So I think it's, it is a matter of kind of finding what works for you. I found that like, again, I'm not doing anything on the Tuesday night from eight to 10. So I might as well write. <laughs> right. Right. The weekends, it's going to be like, oh, you should probably, you know, get some sunshine and not be in front of a screen sometimes. So, you know, that is a big, big old struggle uh, <laughs> for me lately is I am tired. Like I even, I think I asked the other day about how I could get something to read my book to me on the go because I cannot be chained to this laptop anymore. I can't do it. Like I can't sacrifice more time to this plastic machinery. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard because it's um again like especially with the shift for me to working from home, I am literally in the same chair, you know, with that writing schedule and with work. Like I'm in this chair like 10 hours a day. It's like oh my gosh. And it's um it's, it's a lot. It's even, you know, even when, I, and you know, being in the office is, is totally different and there's all, all sorts of reasons why people would go in and, and why not. But like, at least I would kind of move around. And if I take my lunch, I'll go take it somewhere other than this same exact chair. So like little right. things like that, where um, it'll, it, we're still trying to figure out our, our way of like, well, are we going to go back to the office? Are we going to do other things? But like, I need to it's always a struggle to find ways to work in more time away from the computer when everything we do is very centered on the computer. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I recently I was looking for a different job and I was thinking about working from home and I realized that I, that wouldn't work for me because I, mm-hmm. I, I can't stay in one room at all the time. I have to be moving. I have to be going. And I think I need a little bit of that. So it's a hard, it seems like a very hard balance to fit when everything you do is on the computer. Yeah. The the one kind of compromise and it's uh, that I've made for myself and it's not even like, it's still in front of a screen, but I have an old iPad that I put like Google docs on. So if yeah. I'm revising in terms of just like very, very light revisions, not like me having to actually sit and type a lot. If I'm rereading something to make sure it's there's not any glaring typos I'll throw it on my iPad and I'll go like I'll sit on the couch with a dog or you know right I'll go be at least somewhere else other than the same exact you know work from home chair so that was a little bit of a nice like a nice change again it's still in front of a screen but until until we can find that person that we can pay to just read our work aloud for us 
with voices and then also, you know, edit while they're doing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the dream, the dream. But you know, until then, until then, I'll do we'll do what we can. That would be so nice. So nice. We need that. Um, so I'm very curious because this is something that I struggle with with that chunk of time. Like I've gotten to the point where I have my chunk of time and if I, I devote writing stuff to that chunk of time. However, I find that a lot of things don't fit in that writing bubble. So things like mm-hmm. reading in your genre, like reading for research or reading for, you know, reading craft books, reading uh, books for pleasure, um, critiquing for other people. Um, there's so many different things that go in this thing of writing. How do you balance that with all of the other stuff going on? Yeah, because that's a that's a really good point because it's even, you know, I you especially because you mentioned the critiquing part because it is a two-way street. Like you can send your stuff out to people, but at some point the expectation is that you should probably read their things too. Like yeah. you can't just like constantly be like, here, edit this, like free of charge for me. So um it's I do a lot of scheduling on my end and you know I've, I've fortunately gotten to that at least on the critiquing part I've gotten to a point with a lot of my critique partners where we will at least check in with each other of being like look I may have a draft in a couple weeks like will you be available no problem if you're not I can line something up yeah in the meantime if not because I think at the end of the day like again we're, we're all kind of struggling at this so being respectful of people's time and priorities is, is, is important for these, like, especially the long-term writing relationships. You don't want to just completely burn these, like burn these bridges down. Yeah. So at least that on the kind of the critiquing part, but it's a struggle to try to read these days, like to read for fun. And I remember I was, um, I was sick of revising something or I like, I needed a break. And then my husband was like, well, why don't you go read a book? And I was like, oh, that's work too. And I just like flailed onto the floor. (laughs) It's very dramatic, but it is. I was like, this is also work. Like, oh, everything is work. Um, Because, you know, your writer brain, it's, it's very hard to turn off. And every now and then you will get into this like wonderful sweeping book that makes you forget to like look at plot and characters. And you're just like, it's two in the morning and you're still reading and you, cause you yes. can't stop turning the pages. I'm like, those are perfect. I need to just maybe start making a list of like those immersive kinds of books for when I, I really need a break. Cause otherwise right. it'll be like, I'm literally going chapter by chapter and being like, okay, how do they do this? Oh, that's interesting that, you know, and this character is over here. It's, it's hard to turn off. That it's so I've, I found myself reaching out to genres I know nothing about. Um, or genres that are like something that I enjoy reading, but don't read often, (laughs) you know, enough that you're like, okay, this is, this is lush enough that I can (laughs) turn it off. I can't critique this person because I don't know anything about it. Hooray. Like, this is what I actually, I mean, and you, you write romance, right? So like, romance is actually like my, the perfect, like, there's no way this will make it into middle grade. So like, this is the perfect mental divide of like, I can like the romance tropes do not work in middle grade. I won't have to worry about like, like, you know, getting too involved in like the layout or the characters or the plot. It's like, I know it's the comfort read of like, they're going to be together in the end. I'll be fine. Yes. I'll be fine. (laughs) Yes. Like 
contemporary romances have been my new thing. That's been my new, doesn't matter the age, just contemporary romance because one, I don't write contemporary and then romances and like, if it's a contemporary romance, it's kind of come with the package deal of happily ever after. Whereas like mm-hmm. YA fantasy is kind of <laughs> eh, like, maybe you thought this would happen and now they're dead and you're like, right. Oh, and you now know. everyone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> or are they? Right. Like, oh, okay. Well, here we go. <laughs> See, that is immediately where my brain is like figuring things out, but contemporary <laughs> romance is perfect for shutting my brain down. And just enjoying. That's good. I think that's a, that is a fantastic idea of just really just, you have to pinpoint the kind of book you need to take a break. Just, I guess the same way, like if you're, if you're looking for a movie, you have to be in the mood for a certain movie. Yes. Like if you're looking for an action movie, you're not going to be like, let me just pick up this really intellectual thriller kind of thing. It's like, no, you, yeah. And, and books are more of an investment because they, ideally will take longer unless you're amazing will take longer than an hour and a half so right exactly there's something that you have to want to spend that time with which again even goes back to our previous conversation of like we want our readers to spend time with them so like Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. to do that which brings me I'm really proud of this segue how did I do this (laughs) Ooh, Ooh. um so talking about keeping readers attention you have done the thing that I had like it's so funny I was talking to a friend recently about this and I think it has changed as far as like the thought process of getting published I, mm-hmm. I think it used to be get like three of this genre and age range uh published then shift over to a different age mm-hmm. bracket mm-hmm. and you were doing the thing that I've seen a lot of people do which is you have your middle grade published and you've also sold a YA mm-hmm. right can so before we dive into like writing the differences between the two, can you tell us a little bit about your YA? Yeah. So just, you know, a, a quick blip about a, a quick blip about that book is it's called, this is not a personal statement. And it's about this, you know, 16 year old girl that, um, you know, super smart, like best grades and everything. And she moves out to go to the college of her dreams that she didn't actually get into. So it's, breaking into dorm rooms, <laughs> crashing classes, dodging security, and like the people she happens to know that also go to that school. Um, and she's all this while she's trying to figure out how she can actually get into the school without, you know, her parents wising up and then the school administrators wising up. Yes. Yes. I read the blurb on Goodreads and I was like, this Sounds amazing. (laughs) If you're stressed out, you should be. (laughs) I write that when it it was like, it got to the point where it, the blurb said that she didn't actually get into my heart rate kicked in and was like my little good noodle, hopeful heart was like, Oh no, this whole book. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's interesting because it really plays to like the honors kid and all of us are like, good for her going to college. And you're like, Oh Oh no, 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 no. That's not how you do it. Oh no. <laughs> it, it hurt. Like it hurt. It hit that exact chord, that honors kid chord. And I was like, oh no, I have a lot. I have a lot to process here. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that is, um, that is what's obviously very different from a middle grade contemporary fantasy, you know, cursed boy. That is um, the, why a contemporary is coming out in January. So I've got like, a, I think what a six or seven month lead time between the two. Yeah. So 
talk, if you will, a little bit about the shift. It, I don't know. The more I think I'm trying to work on an adult right now and mm-hmm. I normally write YA mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like the shift from adult, young adult to adult is a little more, I guess, forgiving is the term I want to say than the shift from middle grade to young adult. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like there's a more rigid line between middle grade and young adult than there is adult and young adult because we had that whole new adult thing that yeah and like a lot of things are marketed as like crossover nowadays but you don't really see any like middle grade YA crossover like no those are two different groups no (laughs) so it seems to me like and maybe this is just ignorance I don't know but it seems to me that there is a lot of research that has to be done in making sure the two are so like different not in plot and structure but in pacing and what the book contains. Can you talk a little bit about that too? Like what was that transition like for you in your head as you're working? Yeah. And and this, there was an extra kind of added layer of challenge to this because obviously Freddie is uh, middle grade contemporary fantasy and the YA is just straight up contemporary. So I couldn't even solve things with magic, which was, which was tough. <laughs> like, oh, bummer. Like, you oh, bummer. To, like, deal with emotions. I'm like, Oh, this is terrible. Like <laughs> she actually has to like, sit and process things and grow as an individual it's awful Mm. (laughs) I mean that's kind of like you know the the that was what I feel like is a big kind of defining difference outside of the magic and whatever between the middle grade fantasy that I wrote and then the YA contemporary is there is a lot more time on the page of um and her the main character's name is Perla there's a lot more time on the page of Perla really just kind of um processing things and just really exploring like how she feels about the fact that she's under all this pressure like yeah how she possibly changes under it or you know what she feels about the fact that these like other people are either supporting these kinds of systems or just completely bucking them so there's a lot more exploration of just like the intellectual side which again not that middle graders aren't ready to talk about that kind of stuff or capable to talk about that stuff they absolutely are but like these structures are different. So whereas I have, you know, you have 50K max to do a middle grade contemporary fantasy. So if you're going to squeeze in some of these intellectual tidbits, you got, you got to, you got to do it quick and you got to make yeah. sure it's moving. But with YA, like the expectation is you take your time, um, which is terrible because then like you really have to like be emotional and feel things. And it's, it is tiring. Yeah. <laughs> it is tiring feeling things, darn it. But um, yeah. All the credit on that, too. Again, those wonderful critique partners and editors who, like, my editor, Jen, really challenged me to be like, okay, so you say this, but, like, how do we take that further? How, if someone, you know, said X, Y, Z, you have to do, you know, these things to be considered successful as an honor student and as a human, like, how would that make you feel? And, like, I was like, oh, no, this is, like, a real question. Like, I have to answer that? So. I mean, I feel like that's the the emotional um, and kind of intellectual work is a little bit more intensive with the wire. But again, it's because it's it's just the nature of the book. It's not the audiences. No, I like that distinction very much that it is not the audience. Right. Because I, I have a, like it even happens with young adult. Right. Where, mm-hmm. you know, the whole conversation is like, oh, you write children's books. Like, we'll just lump them all together. People are like, you write children's books. When are you going to write something real? You know, yeah. and <laughs> I, 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 we all 
all know that's a ridiculous stance to have because like all the, the happiest audience. people I know read middle grade. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it is so true. You it's like, are... well, I am sick of the world. Let me just read some middle grade and look, this kid is happy now. I am fine. Everything is good. <laughs> it's so, it is so, so true. Like I just from being in pitch wars and there's the middle grade chat, right? And every now and then I'd poke my head in there and they were like, <laughs> playing little games and having little inside jokes. And like, yes, that happened in the young adult territory, but it was almost like it was the cool kids out behind the dumpster kind of vibe. And it's like, we're so different. And I love Middle it. Middle grade is always just like, high five, you did a really good job on that. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Middle grade, you know, as again, kind of now that I'm going to be kind of straddling both spheres of like middle grade and YA, I was like, I'm so glad I get to debut with middle grade because it really is such like, everyone is so nice and positive and like you get to do right. deal with like with teachers who educators who just want to make kids happy I was like oh this is this is perfect this is a, a wonderful view of the world I love that so <laughs> so much I love middle grade writers so much like they are the kids that I kind of want to hang out with that I'm like you know I sit at my lunch table looking at them going they're having such a fun time they're so warm <laughs> and fuzzy <laughs> I love it um the Emotions thing with YA, I think, and the different thematic elements. I think that is a big thing that kind of works with each age bracket, right? So, like, which mm-hmm. themes you're going to be hitting on. I think that a lot of people have that question of, like, what separates the middle grade other than age? And it's like, well, yes, age, but what's important to that age bracket at that time? And like you said, there there are things they care about and there are things they don't care about, like taxes. They're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> um but I think thematically yours, absolutely. It's college, right? It's that idea of I've set myself up for being this one thing and my people, you know, my parents and my family expect me to be this one thing. And now somebody tells me I'm not worthy. Yeah. Like, that's, and it's, that, that is a fun thing. That's like, and, and this is again, very, like very reductive, but it is kind of a theme that you will see in like different blog posts and everything about like what does separate middle grade and from YA and one of the themes is like for middle grade, it's all about like how kids want to fit in. Like Freddie doesn't want to be cursed. He doesn't want to be clumsy. He literally just wants to go yes. play soccer and not worry about like slipping and falling and breaking something. Whereas like with Perla, like she's fit in and realize it's not everything it's cracked up to be. So yes. it's like, how do you in- distinguish yourself from an, indi- like as an individual away from all these other structures? So like the, the themes are a little bit different of going from, fitting in and like having fun with everyone else to being like, Oh, everyone else is terrible. Like, how do I, how do I get out of this? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's been, I, I I agree with you that it is very like a base way to put it, but that is how I have kind of like put in my mind, especially with YA versus adult, which is YA is very much about, I want to stand out. I want to stand out. I want to be my own person. I don't care about having, you know, found family kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Like I want to be me. And then, you know, adult is a whole different thing of like then finding your place in the world and how do you and do take taxes. Sorry, kids. Right. <laughs> you can't escape now it. We, you can't escape it. <laughs> we get to adulthood. We get to adult books and they're all about taxes. It is like literally like five <laughs> chapters straight of like, and this is me, you know, trying to print out my whatever W4 or whatever it is. <laughs> No, I I'm so sorry. No one's going to have to read our book. I swear we're joking. I swear we're joking. No, yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Now, now, and now, if I ever talk about my adult book, people will be like, "Yeah, are there taxes involved?" <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> what possible tips do you have for? <laughs> I, I have nothing. I have nothing. So, uh, no, I got nothing. I can't help you on taxes or anything. <laughs> I haven't come out. Um, so let me get this timeline of your life and your writing life correct because I'm about to like blow my own mind with how much you're doing. Freddy versus the Family Curse came out in May, early May. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. This book comes out in January. You're working on another book? Yes. Huh. I am. <laughs> Sorry. <Nope. laughs> I, am, I am co-writing a middle grade, um, two middle grade books with the wonderful Alicia Dow, um, who is the, oh. her latest YA is, um, she's got The Sound of Stars, The Kindred, um, I love Sound she, of Stars so much. Hi. It's, it's it's wonderful. And then she's got a couple, like a couple, she's got so much down, like in, in the pipeline too. So we are co-writing a book. Um, and I think that is, I don't know the dates for these things. I need to write them down because one day it's going to sneak up on me of like, surprise, you missed a deadline. But that's, that's coming up after the, um, I think after the YA, then I will have uh, um, the book two of the Freddie middle grade contract. Um, and then I will have, I think, book two of the YA, this is not a personal statement contract. And then we have the two co-written books. Um, and all the credit to Alicia for coming up with the pitch for It's Knives Out meets uh, Great British Bake Off, um, but for middle grade. And isn't that like, it's not wild. <laughs> I was like, oh, are you so cool? Oh my gosh. I am so pitches. I'm like, it's so cool. <laughs> I saw that pitch. Wait, did I see that? Did I see that pitch on Twitter? You might, you might have, you might have. She, again, she is, um, she is wonderful at those little like kind of tidbits like that. And I think she tweeted it and we then got a lot of, got a lot of um, kind of positive, like supportive comments on it. So it might've been floating around. I am so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited because I, because if it if it did happen, I'm positive I saw it, and I remember being like, "I need this in my life right <laughs> now, right well, now." I'm sorry, you gotta wait a couple of years because. Oh my gosh! As you pointed out, I am I am apparently busy for the next. Was, <laughs> I'm apparently busy for the next year or, or so. You but have we'll get, so we'll get much. It. You have so much. Also, can like all these baking books that are out there, like all these GBBO comp books, can we all just gather together in like a little group? Cause every time I see somebody comp GBBO, I'm like, me too. Let's be friends. My, my favorite thing is that, so the, the way that we are, we're structuring this little grade book is it's going to be dual POV, which is, it works out with the way that we write that, um, yeah. Like I'll write a chapter in one point of view and she'll write the other one. And we, we go through, we kind of re like edit and read each other's chapters to make it flow better. But um, I don't know what, how it happened, but I ended up with the chapter with a couple chapters that were very baking description heavy. And I was like, I am not the professional pastry chef. Like that's you, Alicia. Like, right. what are you doing? <laughs> so I would literally leave brackets for her and be like, please describe a cookie here. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. So it is, it is lovely to co-write. It is lovely. Oh, that's exciting. We could do a whole podcast episode on co-writing. So if you would ever want to come back, you and Alicia, that would be beautiful because I've never <laughs> talked to anybody about the process of co-writing anything that would be fantastic we could do this and we could probably 
co-bake a recipe at the same time, <gasps> like we can, we can make this a thing. Oh my gosh, can we just have a little party where we all make <laughs> the same thing? And then and Alicia gets, really just kicks our butts. because And it'll be like the Pinterest fail where it'll be like, here's, you know, a flat cookie. You're like, Tracy, you were supposed to make bread. I was like, this is what it turned out as. I'm sorry. That's what it is. <laughs> oh my gosh, I need that to happen in the future. I'm, I'm writing it down because that would be so we'll great. Make it, we'll make it happen. Like, special, you know, co-baking, co-podcast kind of event. <laughs> oh my gosh. My dream come true. I'm going to come back to the topic at hand before I nerd out any harder. Um, so you have projects on projects and projects and projects and projects and projects. And we've talked about how scheduling time is so important for you. Mm-hmm. Now my thing, now my question is debut. We Ooh. have, we have a focus on this podcast of interviewing debut authors Um just so we can kind of help guide that that intense couple of months, intense year, as it will. So can you talk about promo your life during this buck wild month and anything, anything at all? <laughs> yes, I can. I, I definitely can. So, you know, again, we, we talked about like the fact that I am trying to juggle you know, the job, the writing, the toddler and everything. And I, I knew this was going to be a really tough month around debut. Like I, like from everyone that I've talked to, they're like, you, you're going to be very busy. You're going to probably be very stressed out. And like knowing myself, I was like, okay, what can I put in place beforehand? So I don't just, you know, collapse on the floor. So I, um, Definitely. I I took time off leading up to the actual book launch itself to do, you know, bookstore visits and things like that, where like, I want to make sure I was, I was doing the things that I wanted to do, but also not super stressed out trying to, you know, oh, let me answer some work emails at the same time. Like I, I had to put some really strict kind of separations in my head of when I was going to do things. And then, um, also even on that bookstore part, like, I'm a debut, so I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I knew, I 100% knew I was going to need help with, for example, um, like an Instagram influencer, like outreach campaign, plus bookstore visits, plus whatever and whatever. So um, I actually, you know, we I, I talked to my agents about it and we, we definitely touched base with um our pu- the publishers people just to kind of see like what plans do you guys have in place like where can we possibly supplement and I did hire um a publicist on a limited basis of like I just need these couple things to supplement what what else we're doing and um yeah. there it's, it's the books forward folks and they're they're wonderful um it was really nice to be able to like before I took time off to really focus on promo um it was nice to know that someone was calling these bookstores, making sure that I, it was okay that I dropped by, that they would actually have my book in stock, which I think is like important too, because sometimes, especially as a debut, they won't always carry some of our books. So we just kind of, exactly. like, and it's, it's, it's weird when you're standing there and you're like, Oh, Oh, you don't have it. Cool. I'm going to go. Right, <laughs> when, right. when they call beforehand, you're like, you're good. Like you're expecting me. It's, it's fine. Um, so I knew kind of going into it, I was like, I, I, I know I'm going to need help on these things. 
let me get help on these things, which I yeah. think was, um, was important. Cause I, I, if I tried to do it all by myself, I think I would have, I would have dropped a lot of stuff and then I would have felt terrible about it. Yeah. Um, so a quick question that I do have is how do you know, I mean, obviously like being a part of the writing community and following people on Instagram and seeing what they're doing, how do you know? It's not like there's like a checkbox of here's to be a debut, right? You talked about that, like <laughs> yeah. had no idea. I've heard from several people right now that they're like, I've heard I'm going to be really busy in debut, debut month, but no one can tell me what I'm going to be busy with. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And can you, can you talk about that? Like, where did you pick up all of these things that you were like, okay, these are the things that I need help on. These are the things that I need to do. So, um, kind of even leading up so my my book came out on on May 3rd so even leading up to that it wasn't until maybe about three or four months before that um, we had our conversation with the publisher about and about publicity and marketing and everything um, and I would ask questions like okay for example like um, especially because it's middle grade and the audience is not the same like I don't really need to be active in some spheres because kids really shouldn't kids this age really shouldn't be all that big on TikTok or you know right like interacting with me as a person on Instagram like there I should be out doing outreach to educators and like you know librarians and everything because yeah like the audience is different so that's where I knew I needed help because I don't in my day job I don't work in the educational sphere so I wanted to make sure I was actually targeting the right places and the right folks um but in terms of even coming up for ideas of like, where did I think I was, you know, going wrong or going right? It's, it's, there's these wonderful, um, you know, kind of like writer slacks, like di online discussion groups where people are able to kind of um, vent, <laughs> most importantly, and then just kind of compare notes of like, hey, I haven't heard from my publicist yet. Like, when should I hear back? And, you know, I've been, because in YA, it could be like six months ahead of time. For middle grade, I've been hearing it's like, three, four months, because again, you're going for the schools and libraries and they're yes. not going to really order a ton of your books without reading your book first. So it's not exactly. as big of a deal. Um, but if you don't, if you haven't like made those distinctions yet, if like, I, if I didn't know that I would have been really worried like in month five of like, Oh no, my publisher is not talking about my book at all. <laughs> like oh. I would have been very, very worried. So no. um, it's, it's that, little things like that with the audience. I was like, oh, this makes sense. I'm so glad I know other middle grade writers because I would have I would have never occurred to me. No, that's uh, so important because I even think reverse flip from a teacher perspective. We're not going to buy a class set of books. We're not going to purchase that for the library until we know. Right. This it could is be a book terrible. for our demographic or whatever, or whatever the reason is, right? You could be like, Tracy's wonderful, and I will order it once I make sure that it's not a terrible book. <laughs> so it's I'm one like, thing to buy for yourself as a person, right? right? But then right. for your kids, it's like, can I teach this? Is this a book group thing? Is it? Is this right for the interest level of my kids? Because you're also thinking mm -hmm. as an educator, not just as an entertainer. And like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. So the 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 outreach and like the pressure is different. So knowing that, and again, speaking completely like to the middle grade part, because I haven't done YA yeah. promo yet, that could be like a whole different thing. It probably is. But like for middle grade, I started focusing more on, yeah, how do I, um, how do I get to know more educators? And then I set up a couple of, you know, school visits and like reached out to a couple of friends who are like, who are teachers and like, 
I've got just a couple of like virtual school visits just to kind of, um, you know, get word about the book out there. And then yeah. they'll write about me in their little newsletter that goes out to the district. So like little things like that to at least nice. start getting my name out there in like the middle grade sphere, because I, it is like, I am brand new to, to that world. Right. Right. And there's a lot of, I know for, just speaking about my area, I think there's a lot, especially with budget of schools. Mm-hmm. So like, is that thing of making that conscious choice of, you know, if you can make that connection, right. This person mm-hmm. comes and talks to my kids, I'm going to buy that book. You know, I'm going to buy a couple of copies so that we can read it and nerd out about it. Right. Mm-hmm. But without that personal connection, there's just so much incoming that it's like, I have to focus on what I need to purchase for my room and I don't have time to consider 5,000 different books. So yeah, I get you. It's, it's what's cool too, is that in middle grade, there's a really robust, like middle grade, um, librarian and teacher community. So like they always have Mm -hmm. these regular chats and they're always like, you can tell they're always like favorite books that they recommend. So it's nice to see like, okay, this is how they talk about books. This is how they frame them. So if you can even just like play off that of like, oh, if you like the historical aspect, like here's something that you might like, or if you like yeah. STEM books, here's another one that I know of. So it's, 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 um, again, it's a, I feel like it was learning like a whole different world of, wow. of like middle grade promo. Wow. Okay. Cause it's that it's, it's stuff that's so, I think so natural to me again, I got a job at a library recently and they were talking about, I don't understand how do we reach out to these schools? Cause we've reached out to them and they won't reach out back to us as a public library. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, what did you show me what, how you reached out to them? So they'll show me the emails and I'll say, you need to pitch this like a curriculum. Like we're wow. hitting these parts of their curriculum. So we started throwing in hot button words like that. Um, you know, th- this applies to these standards in the curriculum, or this is a steam related thing, or if you're covering the civil war or the whatever, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. here's these books that fill that gap. You and, can't just be like, this is fun. And they'll be like, yeah. that's great. But there's no way we can convince the district to pay for X, Y, and Z. If there's no like educational value to, exactly. to the kids. Wow. Okay. This makes a lot of like middle grade promo that I do see on Instagram makes so much sense because it is one that I was like, I don't see a lot of it on Instagram. And when I do see it, it's like a lot of like buzzwords, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. buzzwords I get. And I don't know, that makes (laughs) so much sense. Again, because it's different. Like we're not really marketing to the kids because like they they're like like for better for worse are not the ones with the actual like spending money to go out and go get the book it's like they have to convince someone to get the book for them so it's it's kind of like going that route it's it's very sneaky I like it wow so how has it been this I think this is like towards the end of our conversation I just want to check in with you like how has it been this debut month how are you feeling you doing okay I know that's like (laughs) a big question sometimes. (laughs) As I fall on the floor, like near the end of this conversation. (laughs) No, we are doing okay. But I think, again, it's because I knew enough ahead of time to put those kind of structures in place to make sure I didn't, I didn't overdo it. So for example, like I, we have a, um, a calendar downstairs where I'm literally writing down every you know, little deadline or every little book related thing of like, I need to go to this bookstore and drop off a book plate. I need to go do this and this and this and this, just so like we can kind of picture and structure our day. Because 
it's, it's, there's literally sometimes we're like, if one more thing comes up, I'm going to explode. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it's like, if, if, if one more, you know, if we, you know, the groceries don't arrive on time this one day, I'm just going to, uh, I can't do anything for the rest of the week. It'll, I will it's, lose it's, it. <laughs> it's so tentative, like some days that having that little planning of like, all right, okay, like I can, I can finish writing this article for this and this and this, and I can, you know, put in a couple hours of work and do this, like, that's doable. Like, I, I, I can do that. I'm that kind of, wow. and as, as you can tell, like, I am a, um, I'm a planner, not a, not a pantser, so, or a plotter, not a pantser. So, like, that's exactly the kind of person I am. Is like, I literally had to plot out what this month is going to look like just to be like, okay, so then these days I can sit and do nothing, and those are going to be great. Yes. So. I love that. Nice. I love that. The empty days are like, oh, this is going to be wonderful. <laughs> oh my gosh. This makes me feel so validated because I am on my own journey of scheduling things with people. So I've gotten to the point where I can say, let me check my schedule. And it's like, <laughs> I'm not saying that as a self-important person. It's just, I have structured my day to work with me and with all of my different hats that I wear. And I used to think that it sounded so callous, but it's not, it's, it's you giving the best of yourself to one given task at any time. Yeah. And, and also um, some of, you know, somebody a long time ago gave me some really good advice of those scheduling and those breaks after really intensive work things too. And their example was like, if you come back from vacation, um, take another day off because you will need that day to recover. Yep. Genius. So it's a little thing where it's like, okay, so I did, um, I had my book launch on a Tuesday and then I asked around to my writer friends. I was like, should I work the next day? They're like, Tracy, no, no, do not work the day after. Like literally sleep in, go get yourself like a croissant and some coffee. Like just chill out the next day. Cause inevitably something will pop up. Maybe you'll think of some other book related things to do or you're on Twitter and you're just kind of responding to some like nice comments, but like, don't stress yourself out. Take, take the build in your breaks. Cause you right. deserve that. So oh, that. That build in your breaks, that's going to be something we use to market <laughs> this episode. Build in those breaks. Build in your breaks. I'm writing it down right now so I do not forget <laughs> with many other things I've written down because it's so true. So true. And I think that's that's probably literally the only reason that I can kind of do the things that I do because I know um, if I write this, if I finish this, if I, you know, take the, the kid to the doctor on this day, like, Oh, I know I'm going to have a whole afternoon off. Like I, right. I built it in. I blocked it out. No one's having meeting meetings. Then like, I've got this time. Like it's, it's, yes. it's nice. It's, it's, you kind of do what you have to. <laughs> right. So, right. That works for me is like setting out a whole box of my schedule of like, do nothing, do nothing. Right. It's so important. It's so, I love that. Okay. As someone who's getting better at that, I will take a note. <laughs> Um, Tracy, it has been so wonderful talking to you. You are such a fabulous human being and this has been a joy and I cannot wait to read Freddy versus the family curse. Like I cannot, I cannot wait. It is on my list (laughs) (laughs) that we have talked about the list that you have to find what fits at that moment. Exactly. Um, Exactly. When you're in the mood for a cursed boy, like, oh, okay, okay. This, this time works. In this I think I'm off. getting there. I think like <laughs> all the, the promo for like stranger things and that like adventure ah. middle grade narrative. I'm like, oh man, I feel it. I need that. So nice. yay. Um, 
do you have anything lasting to say before I close this up? No, I think we covered a lot of ground we today. Did. So I'm I'm good. <laughs> a jam-packed hour. Okay, so to end the episode, we usually ask people, we've kind of shifted it over the point, um, mm-hmm. over the years. Um, not the years, like we've been around that long. <laughs> <laughs> Generations ago, we started. Wow. <laughs> Time is a construct and I don't know what day it is. Let's try that again. Uh, so over time, we've changed it to be, uh, we have two different things. You can pitch your book very badly, which means the most boring <laughs> way possible. Or you can tell me something that brought you joy this week. Um, let's do the pitching your book badly. Yes. Um, so Friday versus the family curse. Uh, prepubescent boy gets clumsier. <laughs> Poor Freddie. You'll see. What? When you start reading it, you'll be like, oh, Tracy's really mean to this kid. <laughs> but but in, my, in, in my defense, my editor told me to be meaner to him. And I was like, I don't want to. She's like, he's not real, Tracy. Make him be meaner. I was like, okay. <laughs> he's not real. He's not real. I was like, oh, he's real to me. <laughs> for listening to another episode of basic pitches we super appreciate it and we also super appreciate tracy badua stopping by and talking to us all about freddie versus the family curse and her ya book coming out in january this is not a personal statement both of them sound fantastic she's just a wonderful human being go out buy those books pre-order them you're gonna love it and i will see you next time bye